podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's easy to get lost in the latest true crime podcast. Or your favorite binge-worthy show. But what about your own story? That's the most important story of all. And therapy helps you write it. BetterHelp Therapy is 100% online and designed to be convenient and flexible enough to squeeze in between the next episode on your list. Get started today at BetterHelp.com slash pause for 10% off your first month. Jonathan Pierce. The man, try the genius! Terry Alderton. Do you like shoes, madam? And friends. <laughs> <laughs> JP and T, the Football Friendly. Hello everybody, welcome JP and T, the Football Friendly. Mr Alderton, how are you? I'm great because do you know what happened yesterday? The greatest football thing happened yesterday uh, for Colebrook Royals, my son's team. They won the league. They won the league, Jonathan. That's it. It's over. Football's done now. So Uh, uh, they're over the moon. Although he did boot some kid up in the air and get a yellow card. But... um, so old there, school. very, old very, school. very exciting. I don't have a problem with that, old school, old school. Don't yeah. have a problem with that. The, the referee didn't like it. He didn't put it through, though. That's all right. So yeah, it's all well. good, isn't it? He was yeah, very they, generous. You know, otherwise you'd have had to play a fine, because your kids still have to pay fines. 12 you know, quid, mate. Do. 12 yeah. pounds. Uh, violent contact, 50 quid. Red card well, straight off. I was at, um, I was, I did. I had a busy weekend, really. I, I did Ch- Chelsea against Brighton, where Chelsea were awful. Brighton were very, very good. Very funny. In CISO scores, one of the goals of the season, the, the Paraguayan teenager, goal of the season. I interviewed Roberto de Zerbi afterwards. I said, what a goal to win it. And he said, yes, it's a good goal. Then he did nothing. He did nothing. He has oh. to learn. He has to learn. You can't just score a goal like that. You have to work for your team. Because if if he, if he we lost the game, his goal means nothing. He did nothing. He was just absolutely, absolutely hammered him. And then... Um, then I did West Ham Arsenal for Five Live, which I love doing, the radio again. And Arsenal, one or two players looked a li- just a little bit jittery, given mm. where they are in the league. The party didn't have a very good game. One or two others, I think there's a mistake in Gabriel again. And, and uh, West Ham, the atmosphere at the London Stadium. It's, it's, I, sa- I said in the commentary, right, and our guests will talk about this in a minute and you can introduce them, but that, that London Stadium, it's like a, it's like a Sunday stroll out in a in a countryside, sometimes lack an atmosphere, and then the next thing is like some mad dance club on a Mediterranean island on a Saturday night, and it just goes it's chalk and cheese. And when it got going, it was a fantastic equaliser. And then I did a French game last night, Marseille against Troyes, who were uh, part of the Manchester City group Troyes. And all I, I can want say to put t- when you say that after that, well, the uh, Manchester City group has great players like Kevin De Bruyne and uh, other players like that, and Erling Haaland. And I can just say that Twa, who belong to that group, are a lot. You're such a child. Are such a long way away from there. They're awful. They're shocking. Anyway, enough of this. You're a child. You're a child. Bring in your guest, child. It's not, Bring in your well, guest. It's our guest this week. That's the thing. You know, usually it's a, more of a friend of mine, more of a friend of, uh, of yours. But this week, it's a, it's a dear friend of ours and a, a football in legend to both of us. He played for both of our clubs. And managed yeah. mine. Uh, it's the wonderful Rob Newman. Ah, uh, there he is. How oh, good? How are you? <laughs> Charmer, look yeah. at him. Love his face. Look at his face. Love it. <laughs> Love it. I'll say yeah. that because we could all see each other, of course. Oh, Rob, how are you, son? So, it, a lot good. of people probably don't know. They probably don't know. Uh, that, well, they will know that you're a football. You're at Motherwell. You're at Norwich, of course. You're at Bristol City, uh, not the other one. And uh, you're all sort of the mighty shrimpers, of course. Uh, and then you kind of disappeared out of management and everything. And we went, where'd you go? And then you set up this amazing thing at Manchester City, didn't you? Which you're now have taken down to the hammers which we'll come to but tell us a bit about what what you've been doing and what you set up and how it all started well from the beginning no (laughs) not right from the beginning but this thing that you do because with football clubs because let me explain a bit more to everyone you have like you have like the agents and then you have the managers and then you have people you know sorted out the contracts and and you've you've set up this kind of middleman thing where you can turn around to the chairman i imagine and go nah he's not good enough he might want it's that one money. of them ones. It's one of them ones to basically, obviously, finish my playing career, uh, finish my managing career. Um, I didn't left. I got sacked twice, basically, by by yours, my swimpers, and 
and Cambridge. I'll say but... one name. I'll say one name, and everyone will be right behind you. And when I say that, obviously, Ron Martin, that every South End fan hates. So they love <laughs> yeah, you. No, they listen, love you, great, great experiences. Great experiences. Love, love my time at both South End. Obviously, finished my playing career there as well, um, and sort of like went into coaching and management, which was which was really good. And from there, I went to Cambridge uh, again. Both places I had 18 months as management in, in management and sort of like I came away from both 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 experiences thinking to myself, I don't know whether I'm any good at this, because in both in both clubs the situation was we need to take the money away from you. You need to work on a shoestring budget. In Cambridge I was in administration. So I was never felt as if I was given an even deal, basically. So when I when I left both places and I, and I and I look back on my management career, I'm thinking, well, all I wanted was an even deal. I didn't want too much or whatever. It was just a case of just give me the the basics, basically, what I could be judged on. So out of both like the both clubs, I've come away and I think I don't really know whether I'm a good manager or not. Never got relegated, never got promoted. Always a mid-table team, and and as you guys know, you know what I mean, chairmen, owners of clubs, they give you 18 months and say, listen, we want more than that. But like I say, what happens then is the new manager comes in and all of a sudden they give him double the budget than what you had. You know what I mean? So it was when, it, you, when it, you say it, when you say budget, can I just put it in there? But when you say budget, yeah. do, do, is it? Do they go right? He's forty grand, or do they go right? We've got some money. Do they give you actual like? Do Cam- they go right? There's a hundred grand. Is there an actual Cam- figure they Cambridge, give you? Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. Cambridge, Cambridge. It was like we were in the we were in the conference at the time. Basically, and and the budget was like six hundred thousand, and they said, "Listen, we've got to cut it by three hundred. So you've got three hundred thousand, but they don't they don't say like, "Listen, you've got three hundred thousand. Don't get relegated." They say, "Listen, we're cutting it by by in, in half, but you've still got to be in the playoffs, which is <laughs> I mean, it's, it, it's, it's, ridiculous. it's ridiculous. You can't do it to get in the playoffs of any of any league, whether it's like a Sunday morning league, whether it's a." You've got to have the best players, and and the best players cost money. So to take the, the to take the um, half the budget and say, listen, don't get you have to be in the playoffs. It's, it's it's ridiculous. But you always think you can do it. So listen, I'm not I'm not knocking. I had two great great experiences in those two clubs, and then I went down to um, Bournemouth um, as assistant manager to mm. uh, Kevin Bond. Kevin never knew me, but we had two mentors, uh, two mentors, the same mentors that he was looking for an assistant manager. Um, both, uh, it was Ted Pierce from from West Ham. I knew from West Ham and, and a guy called John Benson. Um, they were hit, Kevin's Norwich. mentors. And um, he said, listen, come down, have a, have, have a chat with me. So I went down with Kevin and I signed on the, on the dotted line to become his assistant manager then basically, who along with Eddie Howe. So it was me and Eddie Howe was assistant managers at Bournemouth to Kevin Bond uh, for, again, it was about 18 months. But again, it was in a situation where we were in administration, 17 points deducted and then nine points mm. deducted. And so like we got, we started, we started in the first division as it is now and then went down to the second division. Me and Kevin got, we all three of us got sacked. But then Eddie got reinstated because I think he was like a an iconic bigger for Bournemouth and they, they wanted to make a, a space for him. So I've got a really good relationship with Eddie. I mean, we we we, um, we sort of like we did a lot of work watching games, doing training, watching Kevin play and whatever. And it was quite funny, really, because Kevin always used to say when when we had a, like an 11 v 11, we never had a big enough squad. So he always put me and Eddie as centre-halves <laughs> for, the, for the reserves. And like the first team couldn't score. And it's, <laughs> oh no! It was quite frustrating. Uh, the manager had a, a forty, like a forty-three-year-old and a, a crippled, like thirty-eight-year-old playing centre after the reserves who, who knew too much for the for the other players. So um, I know it was it was it was a great experience, and and it was quite funny, really. And Jonathan, I really appreciate this as well. I mean, my last actual game on a football pitch was in the what I don't know what it was called. It was like the Freight Rover Trophy, Johnson's Paint, or whatever. Yeah. Played at Bristol Rovers away, and we never had no. And we had about three or like two or three subs. And the and, and Kevin said, "Listen, you're going to have to be sub." And my last actual appearance was at Eastfield, like well, it is like Eastfield, like it's the Memorial Ground. 
Um, and I can remember I headed it twice, I kicked it twice, like, and in the last seven minutes, I came on, mate. The shorts were a bit tighter. <laughs> I, I absolutely hammered by the gas heads. You know what I mean? But that was my memory. But listen, my coaching career was, 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 was good. It was good. Like, it wasn't successful, but I didn't feel as though I was a failure. So I had some great experiences. Long, not, that's, a, that's a far cry from the head of recruitment at West Ham United, a, West, uh, a Premier League team. How, how, how does that one work then now with you and, and your relationship with the manager? How does that work? It, no, it's good because, like I said, I played with Moisey when, when I was at Bristol. Moisey yeah. is sort of like, he's the reason why I went there. Moisey, Moisey contacted me. We, I mean, we spoke about it and whatever. Like, and he said, listen, I just need to set something up at West Ham. You've been in, an, in a, like an elite environment in Manchester City. Would, would I come in? Literally, I, I went. That was the that was the main reason why I went. I, knew I was going to work for a manager that has been unbelievably successful. To have that many mm. games um, as a manager um, is, well, I mean, there there ain't going to be too many people. There haven't been too many people that have done it, and there ain't going to be too many people that's going to do it. So he is he is in the elite of of, of when it comes to management. So to work alongside him is uh, was was a pleasure really, but. Yeah, you know I mean, have I regretted it? No. You know what I mean? But as he changes a person, is that like mm. ginger haired like centre half that I played with about twenty five years ago? He's changed unbelievably. You know what I mean? He's very professional. You know what I mean? Mm. <laughs> he doesn't want to speak about that. But listen, we have a great relationship away from away from the football ground. We talk about old times and whatever. But when he's at work, he's at work. You know what I mean? There is sort of like his uh, his attention to detail and his. Uh, is his actual philosophy of how to do things uh, like a second to none for me? It's been it's been a real real joy to go in there. I was asked when I was doing the radio yesterday by the uh, Five Live presenter um, about him, and there seems to be a difference in him this season. And uh, I, I think he's calmer. I think he sees where. And as you get older, you see where football sits in life. Because I think Rob and Terry. It's because you lose people, you know. You people mm. as you get older, you lose people, yeah. and then, and then all of a sudden you can you can you know he had a, he he worked uh, he knew a man um, oh, Clyde Middlemas he knew him yeah. well from Preston, yeah. no, and well. Clyde Middlemas was Terry's assistant, Terry Cooper's assistant down at Bristol City, and he was brilliant for me in my life. And, and poor old Clyde went, I think last year might have been the year before Terry went as well. And I think when you lose people like that, you do. You, you do put this in this weird, wonderful game into perspective. I just think he's calmer, Rob. A little bit calmer. Yeah. Do you agree? <laughs> calmer, maybe outside, but sometimes in the dressing room, I think he has still got <laughs> that fire in his belly. Yeah, I, I bet I can see that in his eyes. I bet he, he does explode. He's got that fire in his belly. Do, and, you're, and you're he, never privy to the dressing room, though, Rob. Are no, you? no, 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 no. You mean like you say? You mean I'm I'm in and around the dressing room and and. And and seeing the players and the seeing the way he is and whatever like, but I get I hear stories of what what um, what happens and and listen is is there's room for old school you know what I mean like I say there's room for old school where you can go and let someone have it but I think the way he 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 defends his players to the public I think is admirable yeah. but like I say I think he's still got that fire in his belly where he wants to be successful yeah. you know what I mean and while you've still got that passion and drive. Yeah, you know I mean, you've still got something to offer, and he's certainly—I feel he's always certainly still got a lot of passion and fire in his belly. Just to go back to where we started, uh, just so we can get this on a level here. Uh, what do you do? What is the job that you're doing? Because it's slightly different, isn't it? Well, yeah, no, I, I left. I left City in. in, 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 in I left uh, at Man City. I was just a because scout. You, so you were a scout. That's right. That's right. And then, and then it, it then it, it it progressed on, didn't it? Yeah, at Man City, I was a scout uh, for 13 years um, for the for the first team. I mean, we dipped into the to the to the city football groups, like you say, the Toirs and whatever as well. But mainly, predominantly, it was for Man City's first team because I always remember Cheeky when Cheeky came in. Cheeky wanted a, a small team um, to say, "Listen, we need to focus on Man City. We can't all these other teams coming in. They wanted to get a piece of us and whatever like, but." But Chicky said that I want a small team that's concentrating solely on Man City because the facts of all, if Man City crumble, everyone else crumbles, basically. So uh, she wanted to do that. Uh, I did it for 13 years. Um, it was fantastic. And because of that, and I will always be grateful for Man City, that I was uh, I was offered this job. So I went from being a scout 
to be in head of recruitment, which is where you have your own department. Mm-hmm. So the difference is at Man City, you were you were doing your job. You were going out watching players. You were putting the reports in. You were putting the, the information um, about certain players um, to the club into a, like a database, and that was it. And if it, if a if a signing was upcoming that you were involved in, whether you wanted to sort of like speak to the agent um, privately or whatever, you would be involved in it. But if it was from another country, you wouldn't be involved in it. So I was part of a department. I'm at West Ham now, I'm head of recruitment. So I have a small team that work for me. But whereas I would just give the information to see, now I'm at the, like the, the, the sharp end where you do sort of like along with like the, the manager, the secretary, the chairman of the, of, of the club, like you do the dealings with them basically. So right. you get all the findings, you get all the, the the salaries that they're on and whatever like, and you know whether people's sort of trying to pull your pants down to ask for more money or whatever. So you're at the sharp end now, so you're getting judged for the signings. Whereas at Manchester, I just gave my opinion. Do you do character stuff as well, Rob? Do you? That's that's sort of thing where a lot of this has changed over the years. You do a lot of character investigation. Yeah, it has changed so much. I think now is as important as what he's like on the pitch is what he's like off the pitch. Yeah, yeah, we spoke about this before. Yeah, yeah. Going going back to a a classic one. You know what I mean? Like uh, first signing we made at um, Manchester City was Robinho. Basically, you mean it was a case of Chelsea. He was going to Chelsea. We just got our money, and I think it was just a case of um, we need to sign him. You know, what I mean, we we never did no work on him. We never did no sort of like background checks or whatever. Like you know what I mean now, my argument to that would have been if we'd have had six months working on Robinho, we would have said like, listen, he's Brazilian. He's going to go away to when he goes to internationals. Don't expect him to come back on the. Give him another couple of days on time. Mm. Doesn't like. Cold weather, yeah. I mean, he doesn't speak the language. No interest in learning to speak the language. So there's four red flags. Right, that's right, nothing right. to do with his football. You yeah. know what I mean? So to answer to your question, Jonathan, the the background checks are, are so important these days that to know the character mm. of the players, to know his his family background, to know, you know, what I mean, sort of like the uh, clubs, especially in the Premier League now, they have player care departments. You know what I mean? You, you you visit their houses in there, so you've got an idea of where they're living in their own environment. Let's try and find one in this environment that's very similar to what they've got there. If they've got dogs, you know what I mean? It's no good sitting in the middle of it. Let's show them a team, uh, like a house on the outskirts, you know what I mean, where there's greenery and whatever as well. So, But I think uh, attitudes, characters are massive now. And even though you do all those checks, you're not 100% sure. Yeah, you know I mean, you, you, they might come in and they might not like it. It's a different, it's a different culture. Maybe there, like so we're speaking about Moisey's sort of like desire and passion for the game. They might play for a manager that you know what we don't need you to run around. We you just stay up there and and do what you do and, and don't worry about anything else. So it's you're never going to find it all, but in terms of character, attitude, and I think it's always always good. The manager will always speak to the player as well. You know what I mean? Could, that the manager looks him in the eye, they look the manager in the eye and they see exactly what they're coming in for. Could we come back to this in a minute? Because I want to yeah. take you right, right, right. Cause, mm. Yeah, it's very because interesting. T- t- Terry, there's a mass, you know, Rob's got his department, there's a huge people, number of people involved. And when I first knew Rob, it was at Bristol City. They, 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 had, a, they had youth team staff, there was a man called Jock Ray, yep. um, uh, who, who, was, who was this Scotsman. I, I was, uh, when I was training there, I'm four years older, um, Four years older than Rob, I think. I think it was a year. Oh, I think I was an intake four years older than you, maybe five, Rob. Um, and then there was a man called um, Cliff Morgan. Remember Cliff Morgan? Remember Cliff, Cliff Morgan? Morgan? Not, not, no, not as much as Jock Ray. Jock, Jock, Ray Jock yeah. 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 And then, and then any dealings would be done. There was a secretary called John Lillington. He'd do the, he'd do the, the signings and everything. And then there would be like the manager and his assistant. It was a very bad time, Terry. Very, very bad time when when Rob came through. In that, um, it was it was February eighty two, 
Um, they it was the Ashton Gate eight. They had to ask eight players to tear up their contracts. They were legends at the club uh, that had played a lot of football, and um, it came to a, a crisis. They tore up their contra- contracts to save the football club. By this stage, I was working on BBC Radio Bristol and had to cover all that. They claimed to play uh, Fulham on February the sixth. It was nineteen eighty two. The mem- the date will always stay with me. Because um, Radio Bristol phoned me. I was a university student in Birmingham then and coming back down. They said, there's there's a story brewing. We we think they're going to play a load of kids. You must know some of them. I didn't know Rob. I did know know a fellow called John Economou. Uh, John was maybe a year younger than me or two years younger than me. And I'd known him all the way through. Sadly, John's not with us anymore. But these kids came through. There's another lad called Wayne Bray came through, uh, Bristol boy. And it was astonishing, Rob, wasn't it? You, you were, yeah. I, what were you, 17? I was 18. Eight, 18. I was 18. Eight, yeah, I was 18. All, all of a sudden, and this is a team that had gone from the first division to the yeah. second division. Now they're struggling wrong end of the third division. Relegation yeah. to the fourth is staring you in the face. What was that like when you came in then? And we played Fulham, managed by Malcolm McDonald, I believe, and they were top of the league, wasn't they? Because they were yeah. there from the ocean. So we saw like lambs to the slaughter. But listen, it was, I mean, just I'll just quickly go because I, I you know, uh, we were in a we were in a dinner not long ago, to, uh, Jonathan. But I mean, that Ashton, that Ashton guy that ripped out those contracts will be forever. I will be forever indebted for them to do that because what it what it allowed me to do was make my debut probably far earlier than I would have done if they hadn't have done that. So to be in that situation, to make my debut as an 18-year-old, to be in a, a team that was, like you say, John Economou, Wayne Bray, Mark Smith making their, making the debuts at Ashton Gate, I think the, the crowd was probably like 10,000, 11,000. But I think it was just a case of everyone was appreciative of what the eight did. The club, it meant the club could survive and then we sort of made our debuts. I made our debuts in a win-win situation. You know what I mean? You were never going to get judged, basically, on whether you're good or bad or whatever. It was Everything was so, so relieved that the club was going to survive. We were happy to have a team. And, and for us, it, we benefited from it. And going into that environment, we could just go out and sort of like show our enthusiasm. Our lack of, an ex- our lack of experience wasn't spoken about because no one cared mm. so it was it was an environment and that was probably the the case for the rest of that season so but that particular game was was fantastic it, it will live forever in my mind you know what I mean and like I say to to be able to make my debut that early in my career enabled me to go on and make many 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 appearances throughout my career you mean like I say I'd made my, my debut at 18 and by the time I was 20 I probably already made about 120 130 appearances, which is which was untold because, you know what I mean, although we survived, you know what I mean, we never had that much money. So it was a squad of 13 or 14 of us and, and I was fortunate enough to be able to play in sort of like a few positions. So if someone got injured, I would play. You know what I mean? It doesn't, it doesn't help you all the time because as soon as those players get fit, they take your place. But because we had such a small squad, I was, I was getting game time regularly. So to have to have my debut at 18 and then 120 appearances, first team appearances in the bag while I was 20, was was a fantastic start for my career. He um he scored two goals, uh, Terry Rob did right at the end of the season against Millwall at home. Um, one was a penalty because this this man we're talking to here once upon a time. I'll come on to this story in a minute. Was judged to have the hardest shot in football. I don't know if you know that, but he was 82.3 miles an hour, mate. Yeah. I, I, I can tell you about a pass back in a muddy 18-yard box of route all if you want because uh, he, didn't have a half, he didn't have a half one that day. Do you, do you know that one, Jonathan? Very quickly. He's made a pass back to the keeper and he's just gone in a puddle. No. But that's the trouble, see. The, the groundsman at South End roots all, mate. Yeah, I mean, I know him really well, mate. You know, any danger of getting their forks on the pitch? Mate, you know what I mean? He just went, he went, I think Mel uh, Cableton was in goal then, was it? Was uh, it Mel, Mel Cableton? Cableton. Yeah, but going, back, going back to the hardest shot, Jonathan, the hardest <laughs> yeah. shot was... Tell that story, tell that story. I will tell, I tell you, it was at Wembley before an England game, can't remember. There was the hardest shot and the longest throw. Now, I'm oh, going yeah. to... Tell me who you think was the longest throw in my era of that time. Oh, God, uh, he's a Welsh. He's Welsh. Played for Swansea. 
No, that's Ooh. not what I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of oh, who am I thinking of? Who played for Leicester? I think. No, was he a great? Was he? Um, wouldn't have been someone like Joey Jones, would it? Who gone nope. back? To, no, no, I don't and, know. Who? Andy Leg. Oh, Andy Leg. Yeah, yeah. And I forgot you had a long throw though. I no, I never had a long throw. He had a long no, throw. Andy oh, Leg. Right. A long throw competition oh, and a hardest yeah. shot. Now the hardest oh. shot. The hardest shot. The ball was placed on the six-yard box. Right in the middle of the goal, the six-yard line, in the middle of the goal, and there was someone behind the goal. You know the police radars, what they yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he was down, and to be fair, to get the, the 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 best reading, obviously you had to sort of like hit it in line with that. So if you hit it high or whatever, so I must have got it spot on, on basically. So someone was behind the net with a police radar gun, but Vita. Uh, it's probably complete rubbish readings and whatever, but I'll take the 82.3 and I'll take the accolade of having the hardest shot in that era. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Well, it, 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 that, the, the goals against Mill didn't keep them up. Uh, that was at Ashton Gate and they went down, Terry, and, and uh, you know, they were 92nd in the Football League and I'd seen them go top of the Football League about six years earlier at Arsenal on the opening day of that first season in the First Division. But they went into that bottom flight season with 10 registered players Terry Cooper had mm. taken over then and he Roberts yeah. manager yeah. what a wonderful yeah. huge on my career massive influence Perfect. on my career what was he like he was top man he was top man when when I was saying like about you you, you need a manager to know about personalities of players and mm. and how he how he treated them as well like you I mean whether you needed to treat them with like the stick or the the arm around the shoulder and whether he knew that he knew that and you know I mean what a guy you know I mean what a guy what a footballer you know what I mean? I, he actually played because, like you said, we only had 10. He played very, you know what I mean, like most games that, that season and the season after. And I can remember he always used to stand on the like the left-hand side of the pitch, halfway line. You give him the ball, he never gave the ball away. He always made the right <laughs> decisions on the pass and whatever. Like, So I don't even know what age. He's probably like mid-40s then as well. I mean, so he yeah. must have been some player. When he was young, when he was younger, and that great Leeds team, yeah, I mean, yeah. he must have been some player in that because he could go on and, and like, he knew what was going to happen. He, he knew what was going to happen. Ten yard, ten like three or four minutes was going. He knew oh, where yeah. to position himself. Brilliant. We could pass him the ball under any any circumstances, under pressure and whatever. He was, and he was a tough cookie as well. He was, they, you know, I mean, he come from that thing. And he was a tough cookie. We mentioned before, and Clive Middlemas, just got to tell yeah. you this brief story. We're going to talk about Southend in the second half. We're, we're going to take podcast. a break very shortly as well. Yeah, we are, but, but let me just tell off. you the story, right? Um, the, Clive Middlemas, we, we talked about the assistant, and they and we'll come on to this player in a minute, and the, and the Freight Rover Trophy final, the uh, uh, associate members, I think it was called at the time, anyway. They had no, a Freight Rover, Freight Rover. Freight Rover, yeah, yeah. I did, the, I did the commentary on that. Bolton, wasn't it? And um, anyway, they had an assistant manager called Clive Middlemas, as we were saying beforehand. And uh, this player called Glyn Riley, right? Glyn, I'm working for the independent radio station by this time, Radio West. And Glyn's phoned me up and he said, they're, they're not going to give me a new contract. They're, they, you know, they're stitching me up over a contract. So I've read, I've run the story. Uh, you know, Glyn Riley and contract bust up with Bristol City or something like that. Anyway, so I get a phone call from Clive. And Clive says, Terry wants to see you at the ground. So I've gone down the next morning. And the, by this days, he had a little uh, little uh, sauna thing up by where the old physio room used to be. Right? Hold on, we're, we're getting the south end in a minute as well. So I'm going, I go in there, I'm, I'm in a motty sheepskin. I've got a motty sheepskin on, right? So I go down there with my little tape recorder, thinking they're going to give me an interview. And they say, and he'll see you now. Clive's got a towel around his waist. I go in. Terry's got a towel around his waist. In the sauna, I'm wearing a sheepskin coat. <laughs> right? And they just looked at me for 40 minutes. He just looked at me, for, never said a word. Terry. <laughs> Terry Cooper, Leeds United in England, never said a word. Anyway, so I'm just pouring off me. And after the 40 minutes, we went outside. He said, right, I'll do the interview now. And uh, he said, you should have got my side of the story. We'll do the interview now. He said, the situation's going to be... Re- sorted out didn't mind he's going to sign your contract blah 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 and he went you should have got my side of the story before you ran it ah. have you learned anything son and i went yes i have and he said <laughs> what have you learned here we go don't go into a sauna with two very strange middle-aged men <laughs> with a sheepskin on your back and anyway, <laughs> at that point we should take a break we're back in a minute 
or your favorite binge-worthy show. But what about your own story? That's the most important story of all, and therapy helps you write it. BetterHelp Therapy is 100% online and designed to be convenient and flexible enough to squeeze in between the next episode on your list. Get started today at betterhelp.com slash pause for 10% off your first month. Well, we're with Rob Newman, Terry Auditon, mm. and uh, mm. I know you want to talk South End with him. Just briefly then, Rob, um, you play so many games for Bristol City, we'll end up here because this is my love of my life, as you know. And that Freight Rover Trophy final, what a day that was. Beating Bol- Bolton Wanderers 3-0. Fantastic, yeah. I can remember it like it was was yesterday. I played right back. Um, I played against Mark Gavin, uh, who, who later, I mean, he was a teammate of mine at, at Bristol. He came in and I, and I got booked after 20 minutes, mate. He was taking me to the cleaners. I remember it was, it was a red hot day. It was, in, and he was just roasting me like for the first 20 minutes. And I got booked. And I'm thinking, oh, no. But like you say, two, two, ro- two goals from, uh, from Glyn Riley. Um, Pritch, wasn't it? Was the young one was Pritch? Yeah. Yeah, Pritch, Howard Pritchard. So fantastic. But what I do remember about that, the old Wembley, because the old Wembley used to come out from the end, didn't you? You had to come yeah. out from the end there. Mm. And I can always remember when I when we um when we like the build up to it was fantastic because that was in the days when you sort of like never never finished sixth in the league and played playoff finals there or played semi-finals there or whatever. When you played at Wembley then, you're either an international you played the FA Cup final, you played the League Cup final. So that was the only times you played at Wembley. It was sort of like sacred. Whereas, um, but obviously that's another story, but I can always remember we, we walked out, we were getting ready to walk out of the tunnel at the end. And it was quite funny really, because this is, this is how long ago it was. The, the scoreboard at the other end was sort of like a manual one because you could. There was two guys in white coats oh, wow. standing wow. on, the, on, the, on the scoreboard at the other end. So, and that's where the Bolton fans were. Yeah, so Bolton, Bolton fans saw us coming out of the tunnel to start. They could see us walking out before we actually appeared from the tunnel. They could see us walking out from it. So you could sort of like see the Bolton fans, and they were cheering, cheering, cheering. And Bristol obviously didn't know because they were behind us, but. I've never ever experienced a noise and a feeling as when we've emerged from like the the shield that the tunnel that was pushed out. Of course, you've got thirty five thousand City fans behind yeah. us now. The Bolton fans never even had a chance because sort of like the noise that that generated from our fans behind us, sort of like it must have sort of like shaken Bolton to the Bolton to the bones. You know what I mean? Because it was fantastic, and that's the main thing. I can remember that, you know what I mean, coming out and listening to that noise. And it was full. Like I say, you know I mean, previous years, I think there was like 15, 20, I mean, there was 70,000 because like you're looking at two sleeping giants here. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, so I think it was the first time that they, the, the Freight Rover or people organising it have got two teams that could actually nearly fill Wembley, which was, which was unbelievable. But like I say, the whole thing, you know I mean, coming out, playing at Wembley, um, having a nightmare getting booked in the first 20 minutes to actually go walking up those steps as a as a winner was, you know I mean, his, his, his dreams come true. You know what I mean? For all those, that time when we first made, when I first made David as an 18-year-old, you think, you know what, this ain't, this ain't too bad. This ain't yeah. too bad. And what, yeah. what, what, compare that noise with the noise, so we must talk about this before we go on to Southend, the noise in the Olympic Stadium in Munich, Norwich City, they'd finished third in the, in the Premier League, yeah. and then and then you went into the Europa, or the UEFA as it was, yeah. and you go to you go to Bayern Munich, and everyone talks about the Jeremy Goss goal over the years, Terry. Right, the ball was floated in by one Bobby Newman, and <laughs> yeah. uh, and and a man called Lothar Matthias. Ever heard of it? <laughs> Heads oh, it yeah, away. Yeah. Ever he headed it away, and then Goss hits his cracker. What a ball in. I forget the quality. Well, the, the strike, it was a fluke. It was the quality of the cross that remains in my mind, Rob Newman. <laughs> it was the ball into the danger zone, wasn't it? You know it was. I, mean? I, I, I do tell the story, Jonathan, and you tell it fantastically well. You know what I mean? Like I say, um, but listen, again, we little old Norwich, we'd beaten Vitesse in the first, in the first round and we, we've drawn Bayern Munich Giants. You know what I mean? Like I say, and, and I think Norwich at the time, um, we were everyone's second favourite club. You know what I mean? Because no one hates Norwich. Norwich no is one a hates Norwich. Club and whatever as well. You know what I mean? So, uh, no, I, can't, I don't know anyone hates Norwich. 
No, exactly. So apart everyone from Ipswich fans are screaming at the screen. Yeah. Yeah, everyone wanted us to do well. So we went to we went to the old Olympic Stadium and again, steep with history. You know what I mean? Like the Olympics back in them days. I mean, we're playing in a stadium that's that's got history written all around it and whatever as well. So like, and to actually get a resort there basically was was beyond belief. And I think it's still if I'm if I'm hopefully I'm not wrong, we're still the only English team to go to Bayern Munich in an official European game and actually win there, win a game there. I mean, it might change now in the in the like with the with the new age teams and whatever. But at the time, we we sort of like had that as a a real boost for us at the moment. But to go there and sort of like win two one, Mark Bowen scored the other goal was was uh, was unbelievable. Um, and I think Gunny made a great save at the end just to keep it two one. But we came back to Carra Road the week after. And Bayern Munich scored after four minutes. <laughs> and you're thinking, wow, this is going to be tough. Yeah. This is going to be tough. But like again, but then Gossi comes up with the equaliser and we go through on uh, uh, 3-2 then. But I, when I was experiencing the noise of sort of like the, the City fans in the Freight Rover, the noise of the Norwich fans, and this is when like there was, I think there was only a capacity of about 15,000. I mean, because it was, it was standing and up as well. There's only two sides that had seats. So it was 15,000. That was a crescendo as well. That was a noise. That was a noise. And I can always remember one funny story, and it's nothing to do with football. It's nothing to do with football, but it's how football has changed and football uh, players and the links with, and the links with fans are, are, have changed um, because we finished that game at, I would say, 25 past nine. We'd just beaten Bayern Munich in the second round of the UEFA Cup. And by half past 11, we were in this wine bar in Norwich, drinking and singing with the fans. You know what I mean? An hour and a half after we'd beaten Bayern Munich. And you know I mean, but what happened there? You I mean, it, it was unbelievable. The fans were coming. And, and I think nowadays it's different, but in those old days, fans respected you. They would come up and they would have a 10 mm. minute chat and whatever, like, and, like you say, because everything was beautiful then as well, then they go off and have a dance and whatever. The next time you see them, you're probably standing next to them in the urinals and whatever. So, hey, good night. And then you see them again. But it was perfect. How can you do that? How can you do that? You'd be by Munich an hour and a half before, and then you're having a, 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 you're having a pint with them about an hour later. And the thing, but it was fantastic. It was, it, it was, it was, a, it was a great night. And, and like I say, obviously went on to play into Milan in the, in the next round. You mean, I gave the penalty away for the first game. You know what I mean? We lost 1-0. Uh, Dennis Bergkamp scored the penalty. I brought Ruben Sosa down. Just lacking that bit of pace, Jonathan, as you as you well know. <laughs> Just lacking that bit of pace. And we brought Ruben Sosa down. Lost 1-0. And we thought we'd go to, to, the, to the San Siro and we thought we'd get a real drub in here. We're going to lose this like 6-7-0 on aggregate. But in fact, it was the opposite. We had lots of, um, lots of suspensions and injuries. And again, another accolade in my career, sort of like Mike Walker, literally an hour before kickoff, he says, right, you're going to be captain. You know what I mean? So to actually walk out at the San Siro as captain, shaking hands with Bogomi, you know, it was another, was another great period, another great highlight of my career. But we did well. You know what I mean? We did well. And it wasn't until the 90th minute when Burkamp scored again that we went out. We went out 2-0 two, two aggregate, which you think, you know what? They went on to win it. And if there's a good way to go out, that was the way we went out. We went out, we went down fighting and whatever. So, you know, and to have that experience and play against two of the top teams in European football for, for uh, all through the decades, and, and they are now, was, 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 was really good. And then, you, you, beca- sorry, and, then, sorry, and then you became manager of the up-and-coming future European champions, although they'll have to get past Bristol City to get that far. Southend United. Oh, and that's he, went what, a, he went and to Motherwell that, first. He and, went to Motherwell first. Yeah, yeah, first. I know, I know that. But we, we need to get on to Southend United because we need to talk about your club now and his, his relationship with you. Well, that club, you sorry. know what? There's only a couple of things, but we, yeah, we we had some fun with oh, Rob when he was there, and he was a, he was a great player. In fact, I've still got I've still got one of your shirts signed. Yeah. I've still got it, yeah. Number and 24. The other, is it number 24? It is, it is 24, and then I became 24, but we'll get to that another day. But what was lovely was me and Rob first got friendly. We, uh, I did uh, a TV show called called My Football Club, and the idea was we were going to get different people in showbiz world to go to their clubs and train and play and meet the players. That was the idea. 
Uh, we only did South End as a pilot for Channel 5, and they didn't do any more, but... <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, I got friendly with Rob. We got really friendly, and it was great and lovely. And um, of course, then me being me, right? Uh, I've uh, I've I've turned around because I know in back in in the day there it was Desperate Dan, wasn't it? And I didn't really know about that. But th- that was his nickname from fans, Jonathan, right? Yeah. yeah. So then anyway, I make a just a comment in the, in the local paper about Buzz Lightyear, <laughs> right? So now he's got this Buzz Lightyear thing going on, yeah, and. Um, and of course, he becomes manager, uh, a fan's a fan's favourite as well. So everyone's everyone's pleased. And his whole career as a manager, you know, he gets to be the manager, and and he wants to, you know, like a like at the time it was, you know, Ronnie Whelan's Barmy Army, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. But poor old Rob, he's waiting for the Rob Newman moment or the Bobby Newman, and he just gets. And I'm sitting in the stand, and I know because I'm going to see him after the game, right? <laughs> They're just going Buzz Lightyear's Barmy Army. Unbelievable, mate. <laughs> I can't believe it, mate. You know what I mean? I went in the office after. He just sat there with his bit, that big smile that he's got, that lovely big smile, just sitting there going, hey, hey, what you done to me? <laughs> hey, look what you done to me. And I, I think, I think uh, he came in as well for a drink and he didn't, he didn't say one word to us. Who was the manager of uh, Bo- uh, Blackpool at the time? Uh, used to be a Liverpool player. Man, Matt, Steve, was Steve... No, Steve McManaman. Steve, no, Steve Mahan. Steve Mahan. Yeah, very aggressive. Steve McMahon. Steve McMahon. Uh, was it Steve McMahon? Yeah, it's really. Yeah, cool. yeah, I think he came Steve in for McMahon, a drink yeah. and and he just sort of sat there and we just we got over that bit. <laughs> and then he walked out, but it was a bit a weird. Sto- but, a stony silence. But the best, the best one, and we'll and we'll move on to other things because because uh, I, I know Rob, yeah, Rob was brilliant there, but. But and he had he had a nice little place as well down down at the uh, garrison as well, which is always good fun. But anyway, I'm going to get over all this gushy bullshit. The best one was I was we for some reason Ron Martin decided to do he's a chairman to do these end of season dues right, mm-hmm. and what he would do is would put up a marquee and he did it for two seasons I think. Now the first season we did this is two stories to this. There was a generator outside that that caught a light, so there was me me and and. Uh, the chairman outside trying to put this fire out, right? You don't remember that. You don't, I don't think you even knew this, Rob. Right? <laughs> trying to put a fire out, a diesel fire, right? Which we managed to get out. Okay. And then anyway, so I come back in to host the thing. And, and, uh, so there's a, there's a player called Scott Forbes, right? <laughs> he knows what's coming, right? It's a player called Scott Forbes. Now Forbes, he by his own omission, probably, probably doesn't even know blessing, but he was known as village. Right. And, there was a reason that one day Kevin Mayer, who was the captain and is now the manager of Southend at the time, said, we're all going to go to Ireland and uh, just bring up some photo ID for the flight. He brought a programme of himself with him on the front. That's what he took as photo Visual ID. ID. Right. <laughs> right. So anyway, bless his, bless his art, Scott Forbes. I'm now at the uh, doing the, the you know the players player bit now you know and I just, and I said before we start all this I think Daryl Flaharvan won the won the player of the year again I said before we start all this though there's it's, there's got to be a few sort of thank yous to some players you know and uh, you know they've been great servants to the club but sadly are now leaving us so please give a big round of applause to uh, Scott Forbes who's been a great servant to the club and uh, will be leaving us this season which is sad sad news right and everyone's clapping and all Robbie's doing is going like that doing that to me going he hadn't told him. <laughs> He hadn't told him. <laughs> he told me he was going to bomb him. <laughs> he hadn't told him. Bless him. Forbes yeah. didn't realise I did it. Forbes didn't realise. He, he didn't even realise. He didn't realise. Yeah. He was one of those players who was like a Jack Russell. You put a ball in front of him. You go, where is it? 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 He'd just be running yeah. after it. He was lovely. But it was just Rob's face doing that sort of under the throat thing. Cut it kind of thing. <laughs> going, stop it. He doesn't know. And he's laughing again like he does. Going, I ain't told him. <laughs> so... But uh, but it was it was good times. It was good times. But then you um, then you left us, Rob. Then you left us. It was, or, mate, it was or, tough time. Or, I had a good time there. No, I, I had I had a good time there. I remember Alvin Martin was a manager. Signed me. Just finished my career at um, at Norwich, obviously. And, and to be fair, we had some good players: Simon Coleman, Alex Burns. It was you a know good what I mean? Team. Like I say, there's some. They had, they had some good Kev players. Mayer, Kev Mayer was a good player. Kev Mayer, yeah, Kev Mayer, Julian Howes. You know what I mean? Like I say, they're all solid players. Keith, the young uh, Michael Kitely as well was coming through. I yes, think. yes, yes, yes. But like I say, it was just, we just we needed a centre forward. Yeah, you know I mean, I, I signed as a centre half, and I was the top scorer with nine. You know what I mean? That's that's what it was. Basically, I was a centre. I was a centre half. It was ridiculous. So 
listen, it was it was a it was a great it was a great way to end my career in sort of like what it did. You know, I mean, there was good people there. Um, like I say, even then, uh, John Main, remember yeah, John Main, John the Main chairman, yeah. top top man. Obviously, Vic Jobson was the the chairman when I first signed. Yeah, um, but then David May, uh, John Main took over. Do you know, I just quickly, you know, John Main when he got the he, they outed him, he got yeah. sort of he, he rang yeah. me up crying saying, "Can I do anything for him to, to keep his job?" Yeah, and I was like, no, he made two he's like that's lovely. how lovely he was. I was going, John, yeah, I'm just a fan, man. I, I can't do anything. No, no. He was a he, very he, sweet man. Yeah, he was. He was. Um, and, and like I say, you I mean, I had, a, I had a really good relationship with him as well. So, so yeah, so it was, it was good. So, like, I mean, it was it was disappointing in a way because I felt we we underachieved. We should, we should have done better. Mm. You know what I mean? I think the only thing that was missing, we never had a striker. If we'd have had a striker, we had good players. Mm. In every other position, but we never had that clinical striker. And whether, of course, when I managed, I brought Graham Jones. Did I remember Graham Jones? Uh, do you know what? Every time Graham I see Jones him now, you see him all the time now. He's with everybody, isn't he? He's back at Newcastle. No, he's in Newcastle. Yeah, he's in Newcastle. Do you know, just I a quick story. Can I just can I tell Jonathan a quick story about Jonesy? Yeah, uh, well, I'll finish the, the story about bringing him in, and then I'll tell you what he did to the fans when well, he eventually I listen, scored. I, I, every time I see him now, I played with him at Wigan. When I when I went on loan to Wigan uh, when I was in Norwich, he's going to he score at falls. He's going to score at falls. This is what Rob said. No, mate, he's going to score at falls. He was scoring thirty odd goals plus every season for Wigan. And I'm thinking <laughs> he's at Hamilton Academicals, right? And I've got he's going to cost me ten ten grand. Ten grand now. Ten grand at the time was probably about a million pound. Mm. Yeah, I mean equivalent now. I said, listen, I'm going to get Jonesy. He's a goal scorer. He's going to get us. He's going to get us a goal. Every time I see Jonesy you now, you got me to sack. You got me the sack, Jonesy, because like in ten grand he got one goal. He got one goal and whatever, like, and he got hammered. He got hammered by the punters, didn't he? But Bless but him. what happened was is what he got that goal, right, Jonathan? But when he scored it, it was like this weird relief. I can remember he scored it down in the north end, and then he turned to where we were in the best bank, and he just he's just giving it the bird to us all. He's just, <laughs> he's just doing that. <laughs> to us. He's, just, he's just he's just sticking his fingers up to all the fans, going, "Screw you." Not the best thing to do. <laughs> but so but he's, he was, it's a shame because he's a nice fella, right? So yeah, he's it was a bit, right. he, was a yeah, bit of a funny one. one. But and now he, he's he's always on the flipping touchline now, isn't he? He's, when no. he's working with Eddie, when you when you knew um, when you were with Eddie down at Bournemouth, yeah. did, did he move his teeth? Did, did he move did, his teeth when you spoke did, to him? Why does he not move his teeth, Eddie? Al? Eddie, Eddie, <laughs> move your teeth. He's so vicious, isn't he? Did I you? Think well. I think you do well. <laughs> Don't move his teeth. <laughs> Let's move on from the child, Rob. And uh, <laughs> did you know he was going to be a good manager? Yes, I did. He, um, Sean O'Driscoll was a manager at Bournemouth, and I think Sean was very similar. Sean was very methodical and, and like attention to detail was was fantastic. I think Eddie grew up under him, and I think he learned a lot from him, the way to do things as well. But listen, he he, he was he was sort of like. Regimenting and what he did, he didn't. He didn't leave anything un, unturned. But because when you're when you're like assistant managers, like we were, you're sort of like you're led by the manager, which was, was was Kevin at the time. So we can only do so much and whatever. But but I knew Eddie had that um, the attitude, the character, and the determination as well. You know, what I mean, nice, nice as loud as he is, but like you say, he had the determination and and he he, he spoke very well on the training pitches and the sessions that we were, we were allowed to do that Kevin wanted to do. You could see when he was on the pitch, his attention to detail and his, in his way of describing things as well. And I think that comes from sort of sometimes being the player, being in an experience as well. But like I say, I think he's, he's proven that he's, he's, that he's going to be a top manager. And I think he will go on to be a very, very successful manager. I think he, he. I think we're on that journey now. Are we not? I yeah, think yeah. We are. No, I think we're already on that journey. I think so. I think so. Just to bring it back up to date with what you're doing now as uh, head of football recruitment at West Ham, then. So, would he, um, or would Eddie, or uh, I'm just using his name because we've been talking about him. Would he like contact you and say, Rob, no. we we need to move, we need to move player A on. Are you interested, or does it work it like that? Be, or what it, happens? It wouldn't be him. No, no, no. We we wouldn't be him. You I mean I'd have a. So like you're in you're in touch with heads of recruitment from other clubs as well. So it was, and you don't know. You know what I mean like I say at the end of the day, well, they're players at other clubs. Yeah, you know I mean you you're out of out of respect really. You don't you don't go down that road. You know what I mean yeah. what you are you're giving you're giving hints from. So 
sort of like agents of players that they spin it basically and they spin everything. So, I mean, you have a, you have a relationship and it's sort of like probably an unwritten rule that I'd like to think that if we asked um, a head of recruitment at another uh, club, whichever club in whichever division, whichever country, they give you an honest answer. Some, most of them will, I hope. Some won't. But like I say, but if someone rang me, then for a, for a, for a situation of a player and at a situation you don't know at the moment, you just say, listen, let's contact in, in, in three, four weeks' time, see where we are, see what we're doing, and I might have an honest answer for you then or I might have the correct answer. So managers don't get involved in that. The managers will speak to the heads of recruitment and then the, the heads of recruitment will be the ones that do the conversations. In general, you must have a thing though. That, that uh, you must have someone that you've got, and someone's got you. Where you go at them? What about what? What do you think about so and so? They might go, mate. Honestly, don't touch them. Yeah, no, I'm saying? Like say, it's the, like the, moving the on a dodgy motor. It, no, the good, the, the good thing, good thing about it is that because I've been in the game that long as a player, as a coach, and whatever, like you, you saw sort of like know the people that you could trust. Yeah, you know right. I mean, and, and and there's quite a few in there, and and you you know. Probably you'd be ringing them up for what you said early on in the program, Jonathan, about background checks. If yeah. some, if a player's been in your your squad for two years, you would know him as a as a person, as a character, his attitude, and everything like that. So we probably know as individuals, as a department, as a club, how good they are on the pitch. But the most important thing is how how good they are off the pitch and. And the people that can tell you that are people that you that you've worked with over the years. You've come in, you've come in contact with over the years, and you value their opinion. And I'd like again, I'd like to think that if they give you a if they give you a good steer, you know what I mean, then 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 you believe them. But mm. trust me, some of them say, listen, just to get them out of the door, they probably say. And they bend the truth a bit as well. Like but... moving an old car on. Can I yeah. ask you a question? Just really, just, this is just, a, I'll just ask you this as a punter now, right? Yeah. What The likes of Phil Jones and the likes of Deli Alley, what's, what, what, oh, what oh. has happened to these people? What, oh, no. what, well, Phil Jones has just disappeared, you know? And yeah. I, I feel like with Deli Alley, I reckon he's a really good kid, Deli Alley. And he feels to me like someone like Rob Newman needs to get him around the shoulders and go, right, what's going on exactly. here? I think you know, what's going mean, on, kid? I don't know because I, I mean it would be wrong for me because I don't know exactly. I don't no, but know you must have had situations him. where you've had, where you've seen players suddenly, as I say, go whoop whoop whoop. Bad advice, whoop. bad advice somewhere along the line, Terry. Bad advice and probably bad advice from someone like your agent, from someone right. like your your family right. members. Yeah, we've been there. You know what I mean, yeah, yeah. They, they, you mean the, the the trouble is, you mean, and again, you go back. I mean, I've just, I, I left the club to come to West Ham and whatever, like, but even at West Ham and even Championship clubs with now and whatever, like. The scholarships and the apprenticeships and whatever, like you mean, when when I was when you were young and whatever, like you know, I mean, if you weren't in the first team, you play for the reserves. You know what I mean? You play for the reserves, trying to get into the first team. Mm. You know what I mean, you've got squads of you've got squads of twenty five players now in in all most of the divisions and whatever, like. And like you say, my my statement to that is, I've come out, I've come out of the game, I've played so many games, and I can say, I've played. Over 850 games, which to me, I think is pretty good. You know what I mean? There's, 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 there's lots good. of games as well. Some players are coming out of the game now, Terry. You know what I mean? They've been in the squad for five, six, seven, eight years and whatever. And you say, how much? How many games have you played? And they say, 80. Mm. I think it's... But they've got millions of pounds in the bank. Yeah. So who's stupid? Well, I would rather have played the game. Personally, I'll, but. And, and, and I, I can say because I can say that I said, you know what, I've come out and I've, I've done my miles, I've played over 800 games, I mean, all competitive games, and they're coming out of games now and saying, and I, and you know what, and this is just my opinion only, mm. I think they're happy to be squad players because the level of, of performance they if they're asked to go and play in the first team, a lot of them won't be able to cope and they'd be then they get found out. They get found out and say, listen, you know what? You ain't good enough. So to play the odd one where you go on a sub and like be the one that's happy to be number 21, 22, 23 in the squad, but don't hey, listen, don't play me too often. Don't play me in the reserve because that that will show me up as well. You know I mean, you're coming out with 70-odd games after a 10-year, 10, 15-year career. Come on. You know what I mean? 
They're, so, they're, well, they're, I'll give you a case in point in that. You know, someone who's playing regular football and now is sitting on a bench. Is, and I said about Leicester, I, I tw- not, not everyone's going to listen to what I tweet out, but, you know, Dan Bentley to me, which was obviously yeah. Bristol keeper, and yeah. you know, at South End, Dan's a great, great, great goalkeeper. And I kept saying, even though he looks a bit like Casper Michael, funny enough, he was a great fit for Leicester, he would be, to go, you know, you're looking for a keeper, right? But now he's sitting on the bench at Wolves. It, um, it, why is he not playing football anymore? He's a fantastic goalkeeper. Why have you decided? What, what point do you go? Yeah, but what point, Rob? Do you go right? You can start earning ten grand a week more, but you're going to not probably ever play again, really. You mean people are motivated by money, and people are motivated by actually participating in the, in the games that we say we love and whatever. Like, so it's different. And and now players are getting advised that as well. Listen, go and sign for them for X amount of pounds. Um, you earn a lot of money. You put it in the bank, and you can play later on in your career and whatever. So, I don't know. Listen, I, I'm I'm just speculating here, but that's my yeah, take. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well. Of course, of course. And that's why I asked uh, you the question. Sorry, uh, uh, and also in your job, do you does this often frustrate you? And does it often happen where you've set up a deal, you work really hard with the player, with the club, with his advisors, with your football club, West Ham United. Let's just say at the moment, Rob. And I don't expect you any names here, all right? Because that's unfair. But do you get them frustrated because? Another club is wind of what you're going to do yeah. and suddenly snatches him away. Now, oh, I'm thinking, yeah. for example, Mudrick goes to Arsenal. No, he doesn't. Chelsea suddenly step in because from what we gather, the, chairman, the, the new owner wanted him. They pay £90 million for a boy that has played 40 first-team games roughly in his entire career. So, yeah, that is such a gamble. And the word is they did it because they didn't want Arsenal to get him. Does that happen often, that sort of thing? I think I think I think it happens. I think it happens, and and so like it happens between clubs a lot as well. Because if you're if you're the selling club, and you get more than one club interested in your player, yeah, you know I mean, you, the the Dutch auction starts then, doesn't it as well? So I think you've got to be, I think you've got to be strong enough to walk away from deals, Jonathan. If that if that happens as well, and like I say, you mean like I say, and and it's something that Man City did really well as when I was there as well. They could afford any player in the world. Man City could, could afford any player in the world. But if they thought the the salary expectations, the agents' fees were completely farcical, they would walk away from the deal. And I thought that's that's one thing I've learned from them. You've got to be able to, regardless of how well you think the player will fit into your team, you cannot be held accountable for someone who wants a ridiculous amount of money, and that's both agents and, and clubs as well. But clubs clubs will, if they can start a Dutch auction, then hopefully they can earn one million, two million, three million pound more and whatever. And like you say, and, and with the case of going away, going back, it's probably a similar similar case to what Chelsea did with Mudrick. You know I mean, Robinho was going to sign for Chelsea. We hadn't done the work on him. Yeah, we know he's a good player. We don't know anything about background. Let's sign him because this is a statement now. We, we, we want to put out a statement that Man City are going to be a force to reckon with. Are Chelsea doing the same? Maybe. What's the best player you've got in? The best signing I have made um, was a young player that signed from Spain, lasted 10 years at Man City. Um, his name was David Silva. You know oh, I mean? wow. oh, I love David Silva. That was, that, that was, and I never met the player, but what it was, it was a time all those years ago when we, we had just started our, like the club had just started the, the same right listen we need to get players to to challenge so David Silva was at Valencia Barcelona wanted him Madrid wanted him so for us to go in there we'd won nothing at the time Barcelona and Madrid steeped in history and trophies and everything like that so how do you get how do you get someone like David Silva to uh, to come to Man City so it was me building a relationship up with his agent basically I've still got a personal relationship with with at, the, at this time, um, saying to the agent, saying, yeah, he can earn fantastic money at Barcelona, Madrid. I mean, he can earn fantastic money at Man City's as well. But the probability is he's not going to be winning titles immediately, like you would have done if you'd have stopped star sign for Barca and Madrid. So what, we, what I sold him was be part of history. You can be the first, one of the first players that come into Manchester City's side and be part of their growth and whatever like and listen 
nothing's pleased me more than him being successful oh. as, and his agent well, is still a good guy as well and he's left a legacy and he was a top yes. top player and, he, and, he, he and he's trophies. part of everything he's part of everything you said that you promised yeah. can I yeah. just do a and little quiz with you can I just do a little quiz with you oh. go on, you've got go to give on. me the solution Kenny Dalgleish 2 Kevin De Bruyne nil. John Barnes 2 Gary Lineker 2 Thierry Henry 3 Sergio Aguero nil. Raheem Sterling, one. Vincent Company nil. Eric Cantona, one. David Silva, nil. What am I talking about? Mm. The clue is De Bruyne, nil. Aguero, nil. Company, nil. Silva, nil. What am I Champions talking about? Champions League? Champions no. League? Well, uh, don't know. That's not what I'm talking about here, though. <laughs> don't know that one. You might you know have the right answer. Do you, know, do you know what I'm talking about? You don't... <laughs> Rob Newman, look, Christ, he's been fucking me up for all these years. 40 years, he's done it again. Look, look, look. Champions League no, winner. it's not, it's not. They've never won a Footballer of the Year. De Bruyne, no. Wow. Aguero, what? no. Uh, PFA. Football PFA writers, the, FA, the Footballer of the Year award, the FA that Stanley Matthews wow. won. All Henri won it three times. He only won to win it three times. We, we as football writers have never, ever voted De Bruyne, Aguero, company, and staggeringly... Silver, who you got in? That's, That's unbelievable, isn't it? Yeah, That's yeah, unbelievable. And they are top top players. They are top top players, and, and and obviously company company. He's going to be the next one. I think he's 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 done really well at Burnley this year. Oh, and lovely, like him. Please tell me he's a nice man. Pardon? Please tell me. Please tell me he's a nice man. He looks like he's a nice man. man. He's a man. He is. He, he, he is looks like a, so, he's like the kind of guy you go. I bet he's a lovely fella. Him. And they all were, mate. They all were. Like, you know what I mean? David Silva, Sergio Aguero, you know what I mean? Like, companies, they were all top, top players and they were all top, top people as well. Before we round this up, and we have to round it up, sadly, yeah. I could go on forever. I, I just look, Here's a case in point in what we were talking about earlier on, you know, about attitudes and people not going to the club and someone else getting the, the player. Now, West Ham, of course, I think you might have been there with the whole Jesse Lingard thing, were you? When, the, you well, know, they were trying to get Jesse. You weren't he, there then. He came because... What's the backstory there? Because surely is it because he can commute to Forest from his house or something? But maybe. he's just sitting on a bench maybe. now. Jonathan's doing yeah, the no, money again. money thing. It's it's an absolute <laughs> travesty. Because the West Ham fans, he could have been an absolute hero down there. They were loving Jesse he, Lingard. Well, obviously he came no in. And he he was the catalyst, wasn't he? From from January, came in in January and he finished. Like the career was was incredible. Like, you know what I mean? Like the six months he was there, he was scoring goals, he was creating. You know what I mean? I wasn't there at the time, but by all counts, he was he fit into the dressing room and everything like that as well. And and only Jesse knows why he didn't, because it was it was well documented that West Ham wanted to sign him. And why wouldn't West Ham want to sign him after he just finished like on fire for that season and and everything was geared up, but only Jesse and only the people around Jesse saw like no why he didn't choose us and, and went to Notts Forest, whether it was a geographical decision or not, I don't That's know. What I'm thinking. But, he could still travel, hmm. you know, because he would have been worshipped. You know what West Ham fans are like? They're, pro- they're probably like yeah. any football fan. They, if they don't like someone, you don't you don't want to be that that player. But if they love you, you know, I mean, West Ham, yeah. to be loved at West Ham is like, oh you know, yeah. And if they love you, you, you're one of her own. It's really is one of her own. And it's yeah, a big hug, isn't it? If they love you and then they hate you, Dimitri Payet, you'll know about it for the rest <laughs> well, of the Well, that's why, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, he, he kind yeah. of let the family down, didn't he? He went against the family. But look, we do have to round this up, I'm afraid. I hate to do this. It's been so I, good. You want to say is. one more thing, don't you? I Every do. time I try and wrap the you, show you up, round, he round wants up in a minute. one more. Just before we go, and Terry's going to wrap it up in a minute. Go on. I can say this about Rob Newman, right? Oh, here we go. Rob, whenever I bump into him, he says to me, he knows I do a lot of French football, and we have a chat, and he'll say to me, what do you think about the Lille 6 or whatever it is? What do you think about this player? And we'll have a little chat about it, won't we, Rob? And he'll talk about it, because he's old school enough to know, he's known me a long, long time now, 40-odd years, and and he he respects that, and that's old school. Do you know the only other two people that have done that in recent years with me? Arsene Wenger... And Pep Guardiola. And that's the biggest compliment I can pay to you. you but also, Terry Alderton, we do make mistakes. Oh. Because Radio Bristol, commentating, back in those days, yeah, they yeah. start off against Fulham. And I think I said in the commentary, and there's young Rob Newman, 18-year-old, midfield player with a turn of pace. 
What a mistake. To make. <laughs> 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 I love it. You set him up so beautifully there just to pull his pants down yeah. and kick him in the nuts, didn't you? What a way to finish. Mate, mate so, but listen, 800, 850 games later, mate, you know what I mean? Like, the lack of pace, so like, I managed to get around mate, it, didn't I? Mate, look, yeah, mate, we, can go on, we can go on about the Canton R passes. Why pass the ball? Why pass the ball? No, so why run when you can pass the ball? Pass so the much ball. easier to pass the ball. But not to Eric Cantona. And, and, and when you got the hot, when you got the hottest shot in the land, when you got the hottest shot in the land as well at the end of it. Do you know what the funniest thing? He just did it there. The people can't see it. Look him up with with Norwich against uh, against Eric Cantona. He's brilliant. Rob just did it when he puts his hands on his head. Goes, oh no, what have I done? <laughs> what have I done? Look, it's been brilliant. Don't forget, you can get us on Twitter. We've got 140 million thousand followers now. We haven't. We got about 12. But join it. Join it. It's it's J, J, J it's JPNT football at JPMT Football for the Twitter and all the other bits and pieces. Uh, thanks again for listening, everyone. We do appreciate it. Otherwise, we wouldn't do it anymore. And it's just been brilliant to have a, a, a dear friend and a brilliant footballer, uh, Rob Newman. W- wonderful to have you, mate. Thank you so much. Lovely. Bit of pleasure. Brilliant, 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 brilliant. Sports Social Podcast Network.